ComC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 27 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To stay updated with ComC, please follow them on social media at Check Out My Cards, one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn about offers, promotions, and more at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. It has been a fun week for me and the hobby, and that's for a couple main reasons. The first one is because I was able to add a one-of-one one Norman Smiley printing plate to my Norman Smiley Super Collection this week. It came up on eBay. I snap bought it right away. I couldn't miss the opportunity to add a one-of-one one printing plate to my collection, and so I did. A 2016 Tops black printing plate of Norman Smiley is now in my collection. The other thing that I really enjoyed this week was getting a chance to pick up a physical copy of the most recent issue of Beckett because I have an article in this this month's uh, issue of Beckett again. And it's an article about the collection of PSA 8 Gary Carter cards that I picked up uh, earlier this spring. You heard the interview with Carl Kewen on the show several months ago when I first interviewed him. Well, I turned that interview into a written piece about the, the collection and a, a written piece about, about Carl and the whole thought process that went into him putting that collection together and then me picking that up and now continuing it on. I have actually had a chance to add to that collection over the last couple months. First, I picked up a 1991 Topps Desert Shield Gary Carter card. There's, again, not too many of these early 90s cards of him just because people weren't spending the money to get a nickel card graded. But I did get a Desert Shield card. And then this last week, I also found a regular 91 Topps PSA 8 Gary Carter card. So I'm going to have both of those now. I might end up selling the Desert Shield just to recoup some of that cost. But we'll see. Maybe I'll keep both. That's kind of cool. But if you know of any PSA 8 Gary Carter cards, the ones I still need are from kind of 90 to 93. Let me know or get me in touch with somebody that you know because I'd love to kind of finish that run to go from 75 all the way to his last regular card in 1993. Let me know. The other fun thing I did is I sold another big bulk collection. And uh, I don't know what, this one was probably 50,000 cards or so, sold it to somebody. And it turns out, we were talking, he actually puts these bulk collections together on a pallet and sells these cards by the pallet. It kind of reminds me of what Bo is buying from Goodwill when he's buying his Goodwill pallets. Well, this guy's putting together his own pallets. He said they usually come up to around 250,000 cards and he sells them for about $2,500. So he shoots for around a penny a piece. So if you've got any interest in a pallet full of cards, let me know and I can get you in touch with him 
because I think he's always looking to, to make some deals and, and that's $2,500 shipped. So 250,000 cards, $2,500 shipped. Let me know if that's something that you might be interested in as well. Well, for our main topic today, I am gonna be on the other side of the microphone. I wanted to get some more wrestling content out there and I thought a great way to do that would be to share the interview that I had with Zan Morning from Wrestling With Cards. He had reached out, he had me on his show um, about a month ago, I guess it was, and we talked about wrestling cards, we talked about my involvement and my getting up to speed and learning about wrestling and just kind of the current state of the hobby. I think you'll really enjoy that conversation and I thought it'd be great to just share his show as an episode of my show and, and kind of share that interview that we did a little bit ago. So an interview that Zan did with me on Wrestling With Cards is going to be our main topic today, and I am going to run that right after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles. It's National Week, and you will find Underdog this week at Booth 2600 in Atlantic City. They're going to be there all week long buying shop uh, inventory and show inventory, and they'll be offering some of the new releases and custom breaks live on loop from the show floor. But if you can't make it to the show in person, then tune into their Facebook feed like normal for the live content that they've got almost daily. Underdog Collectibles is going to be breaking live in their shop in Knoxville, Tennessee, on Facebook, YouTube, and Loop this week as well. Remember, always bet on the underdog. And now here's my interview with Zan. Mike Summer, Wax Pack Hero. It's can you guys believe it's been almost a year and a half since we've done this? You were one of my first guests. I had David Peck, and then I think I immediately had you on, and we're back. I'm amongst you feeling under the weather, so thank you for taking the time to come on and chat with me and chat with everybody else. Well, hey, if, if I was the second guest after David, I, I feel pretty honored because um, he, he's quite a, a legend in the wrestling card community. So I, I appreciate that. It's good to be back. Good to be talking cards again with you, Zan. Yeah, when I had David on, I was like, all right, he he's the guy that kind of springboarded wrestling cards into kind of the, I guess, more mainstream popularity as far as like, hey, these are cool. These are worth something. These are cool to have. But then when I started the channel, I was like, there's a lot of people kind of on the fringe that maybe they do collect wrestling cards and they're just not talking about it very much. Maybe they're more into sports, but dabble with wrestling. And you kind of rode that line from the content that I originally started viewing from you. So yeah, I was like, all right, he's going to be the second guest. So a year and like a year and a half, uh, October, 2020 is last time you were on off the top of your head. What's, what's something that's like been a major change for you or something that's you just want to talk about right off the bat since then from the last time we talked. I think for me, especially when it comes to the, the topic of wrestling cards is one they're no longer the clearance items that they used to be <laughs> when it comes to, to being able to pick up packs and boxes, right? Um, so they're, they're no longer clearance items anymore, which is great to see. Uh, the second thing I think that has been huge that I think is great is now we've got a little competition, even though they're cross-program, we've got Upper Deck with AEW now, um, and then we've got um, the WWE products from Tops now Panini, eventually going back to Tops, right? I think, But I think that competition between um, programming, I think is great. And I think will be good for wrestling. And then the third thing from a personal perspective is I finally got comfortable somewhere along that last year and a half that it was okay. If my wrestling collection was only going to focus on the guys that I grew up watching in the eighties and the guys that I latched onto during that attitude era 
of the raw versus nitro Monday night wars right. uh, when I was in that kind of college era for me. Those are the two eras where I was more passionate about wrestling. It's not been a focus of my TV watching or um, regular interest of, of late, right? So this, the modern product that's out there now, I don't know much about those, those guys. And I, and I felt bad about that for a long time or that maybe I was a fraud, even saying that I collected <laughs> wrestling cards, but I eventually got comfortable that, you know what, that's okay. It's okay. If I'm going to focus on those two eras for the primary cards that I pick up, I think those are a few of the things that, that really have um, stood out to me over the last year and a half since we talked last. Great uh, segue off of that. I actually didn't even have this to talk about, but now I want to kind of dig into that deeper. We had you on the Worlds Collide Roundtable episode, which you guys can go check that out. I think it's on the archives of this YouTube channel, but if not, make sure to check out the Worlds Collide podcast on all popular platforms. And you can find the episode with Mike Summer, and I believe Ken was on with you. I yeah, think Ken Kinsley was on with me, yep. So in that episode, we discussed about how you were having a hard time finding kind of your niche within wrestling. And I've always been of the mindset of just like what I see in the sports card world where people kind of niche down into either what they like, what they know, or, you know, what, what their era is. And that's what I encourage you to do. So it's a, it's a good thing that you've kind of found that niche for you, because I, I know what you mean. Like we're kind of inundated and I know it sounds funny talking about wrestling cards being inundated because we're still such a small segment of the hobby, but we're kind of inundated with the modern stuff, the shiny whether it's prism or tops chrome gold refractors you know stuff like that but there's so much out there for wrestling that i always just encourage everybody and hopefully what you just said and what we're talking about right now is going to encourage some people to just find whatever it is they like within the wrestling card niche and go for it like regardless of value whether it's really expensive whether it's not expensive just whatever it is you connect with and you enjoy doing so you you mentioned it a little bit what was kind of that uh, flick of the switch so to speak that they just clicked for you I think it was partially the the idea that you provided me that encouragement that you gave me even in that conversation was you know what it's okay to have a different focus. The thing I found odd about the whole thing in general was I preached that same message in the sports world all the time. Interesting. But okay. For whatever reason when I was applying it for myself to the wrestling card world, it wasn't it wasn't clicking in the same way. It was is and it was, so it was kind of like that why do I have no problem with this when it comes to the sports side of things, but I do find myself struggling with it when it comes to the wrestling card side of things. And eventually it just kind of sunk in is like, you know what? It's about connecting your PC with the, the characters, the players, whatever it might be that you connected with at some point in your life. It's, it's not about what other people think. It's not about the guys that other people think are cool. It's about what you connected with because that's what makes it meaningful. And I was like, this applies for me and wrestling as well. Yeah. And you also mentioned something else I want to talk about before we got actually got into some of my notes was the AEW stuff. Uh, we kind of said it that AEW completely changed the landscape. Now people can talk about prism or the, you know, some of the top stuff kind of bubbling up after the fact of prism coming out, but AEW to this day, like in my eBay store, I'm still selling the base singles. They still have a huge demand and they're like, they're not shiny. They're pretty basic designs, 
But I think the AEW product has gotten so many more eyeballs onto wrestling cards and more people into collecting wrestling cards, whether they were before or whether they were like the figure collectors or maybe they're just diehard AEW fans. I know you sell a lot, so you move a lot of stuff. What have you, what's your opinion on uh, kind of AEW kind of taking, I'm not gonna say taking over, but maybe kickstarting the wrestling card boom that we saw in 2022? Because uh, I know a lot of people want to say, and myself included, I thought Prism was going to blow the roof off of it, but it seems like AEW has kind of been that slow and steady interest that people are having. Yeah, I think there's that that fan base of AEW, I think, is very dedicated, and I think they really latched on to the fact that they've got their own product now, um, and and that's what I think we've, we've really seen. Uh, I only opened one box, one hobby box of, of AEW physical cards. But man, I have been scooping them up by the thousands on ComC. And so I've built up an inventory of, of several thousand AEW cards from the, the gold, starting with kind of the gold parallels and the inserts, the things that they have physical cards of. Um, I've been scooping them up by the thousands and I'm going to be patiently waiting for them to eventually sell out. And I think that in the long run, being the first set, I think there's going to be a lot of interest there in the long term, and I, it's going to be cool, I think, to have it. And so I thought they were pretty cool. I love the designs of some of the inserts. You know, I thought those were some unique designs, the way they did some of that. Um, overall, I was, I was very happy with the product as it was intended to be sold at. You know, it, it also ran sure. up, you know, kind of got out of its skis a little bit and was selling for quite a bit more than the MSRP was intended to be. Um, but I think if you look at that product at what it was intended to be sold at from a price point perspective, Upper Deck really knocked it out of the park with their their first wrestling release. Are a lot of the singles you're picking up on Com C kind of the dumped stuff from the EPACs? It's yeah, it's all it's all EPAC stuff. Um, and people are treating it like any other EPAC release. And so I'm picking up most of the gold parallels, um, the insert cards, a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm picking up pretty much anything that's priced under a nickel. So I'm getting a lot of them at oh, two yeah. or three cents a piece and essentially repricing them so that they would sell for a dollar on eBay. Mm -hmm. And there'll be some patience there because a lot of them, there's still cards that are cheaper than what I'm repricing them at, but I'm still making sales on, on a lot of that kind of stuff. And then there's some of the other more um, shinier parallels, you know, the pyros and some of those other things that that I'm able to sell for a little bit more even. But um, eventually, I, I'm kind of sticking to that price point right now. Eventually, when it sells out on EPAC as well, um, I'll scoop in and, and be willing to spend a little bit more to kind of accumulate those in, that inventory. But a lot of those a lot of those cards right now, I've got somewhere between 25 and 60% of the inventory on ComC for each of those cards. That's I. If you're getting them for a nickel or lower, like that's just an automatic purchase. I, I don't under, like, do you think people just aren't thinking the long term and they're just trying to recoup. I've said that a lot. Like, I think, you know, especially with Prism, I think we saw the prices start coming down further and further and further because people are just trying to recoup what they got, especially kind of in the, I'll say not the hobby market, but like the world market we're in right now. Like people are just kind of scraping by trying to get stuff back. Yeah, I think, I think that's a big thing. You know, I had kind of tested this theory. I started testing it several years ago with the hockey EPAC products, knowing that some of these parallels, um, they're even more limited than the, some of the wrestling ones we're seeing with AEW. But, you know, there are some of these hockey parallels where there's only, you know, maybe 200 cards or 300 cards total in the whole print run, physical and digital, wow. you know, combined okay. like what was released in hobby shops and what was released on EPAC. And they're selling for four cents. And I was like, at some point, 
they're going to sell through that inventory and there's going to be a demand for these, but it might take two or three years. And I'm kind of, I try to think long-term and from a big picture perspective. And I'm like, this seems like a no brainer. I'm going to try it out with some of these and see. And sure enough, after a year or two years, all of the lower priced ones eventually sell through and then mine become the cheapest on the site. And I start making those, those sales where I was right. spending four or five cents and, and making 40, 45 cents or whatever it is. So um, I kind of tested it out over the last couple of years with the EPAC hockey products. And uh, I just, you know, it's like, man, this, this AEW stuff has an even more passionate fan base. I think there's going to be, you know, that same model is going to apply to this as well. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the EPAC, I, I didn't get as much into the EPAC. I bought some hobby boxes to sit on. I've been buying out lots. Like I bought some collections that had hundreds of thousands of just base cards in it. But uh, they all say first edition. And do the, the EPAC ones say that too? Because I think that's going to be a big thing. I don't remember right off the, the top okay. of my head. So that would be just an added value if that's the case. But, you know, we're talking buying and selling. And again, with the kind of economic world market and hobby market we're in right now, I think it's a good transition How's the shop going? Because I'm sure uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, you can't run a successful hobby shop in this climate. And last time we talked about how you went from, you know, starting to opening the shop within a shop. Again, guys, go back and check out our last interview we did if you want to hear more about that. But how is the shop going in the current hobby climate right now? It's definitely slowed down from the peak. You know, when, when I first bought it out and we opened up, there was really no other options. Shows hadn't restarted yet at that point. Um, there were really no other options. If you wanted to talk about physically going to a location to look through cards and singles. And so I think that was a big reason that it started off just gangbusters way, way better than I ever thought. Um, over the last, you know, probably through 2022, um, we've had more shows popping up in our area here in central Illinois. There's probably been five or six new card shops open up in the last, oh, okay. um, within kind of an hour drive of our town. Um, in the last year. And so there's so much more competition for those eyeballs and people, you know, making that trip in, it's definitely slowed down a bit for me. Um, being it's kind of, as we talked about before, it's kind of a side deal for me, right? We've got the shop within a shop. It's still very, very profitable or worth, worth my time based on the current arrangement that we've got. Um, it would be a challenge for me to do what I do the way that I do it. If I was a standalone shop, having to pay rent or have a lease, paying full utilities, paying all of that type of stuff. But with the arrangement that we've got where I'm kind of a, a, a subleasee or a, I got yeah. the shop within a shop, it, it's still definitely worth my time at this point, but it's definitely slowed down from the peak. So I think from my perspective, a lot of people out there see um, hobby shops, card stores, any you know flea market stuff, like whatever, they see these vlogs of these influencers, like, you know, and that everything's just laid out with slabs. And, but then on the flip side, we've seen a lot of that stuff isn't moving. The popularity is kind of dropped off. So what is the kind of stuff that people are still looking for that may kind of shock people? Cause I think there's a lot of people out there that don't understand, and we're going to dig deeper into this in just a little bit about the things that people are actually looking for. And they're, they're actually buying because Everybody wants to say, oh, the hobby's down and nobody has any money. But uh, I know you can speak for this and we'll touch on it in a minute. And me with my eBay store, I'm doing better now than I ever have. And it's just, the, it's kind of shifted what the popularity is. So when people come in the store, what in your shop, what are they looking for? 
Yeah, I'd say, I mean, to start with, I think what you just said hits, right? So my sport lot sales, my eBay sales, my Com C sales, all of my online stuff is, is as good as it's ever been for the most yep. part. Um, it's that competition for the physical um, walking into the shop where there's more option, physical options that's really hit me. One of the great things about the way that we've got it set up is the, the shop that I rent from, what I call the main shop, mm -hmm. he's got much more of the high end or mid end merchandise. And so he's got a lot of those slabs, some of those big cards that you're in the thousands and thousands of dollars, right? Sure. My focus is more on the mid to low end. And so I've got a lot more of the, the low cards. My biggest set of inventory is probably quarter boxes. And I run deals yep. where um, they're a quarter a piece. And if you fill up an 800 count box, it's 40 bucks, you know, so you can get them down to a nickel a piece if you're buying seven or 800 of them or whatever mm -hmm. it is. And I continue to sell that kind of stuff every weekend, you know, and then people still love to get their base and insert cards of the big stars. And so I've got Tatis on a baseball side, you know, pulled aside. I've got Mahomes on a football side pulled aside. I've got, you know, The Rock and Hulk Hogan and some of those guys all pulled aside in my wrestling box, all in, all in kind of a row. And people can kind of narrow in on the team or the player or the wrestler that they're interested in. And they still like to pick up those base and insert cards for a quarter or 50 cents or a dollar or whatever it might be. And so there is still a demand for cards at all ends of the, the price yeah. spectrum, I think. Right. And um, from a, from a pricing or valuing going up and down, you don't notice that near as much when you're sell, selling cards at a quarter or 50 cents or a dollar, right? It's, it's not a $2,000 card that's dropped to 1200. It's a $2 card that might've dropped to a dollar. Right? right. And yeah, I was probably going to accept a dollar anyway, if you were buying a few things from me. So that type of thing really hasn't impacted me at all at this point. So I think another interesting thing you mentioned that we can kind of keep talking about within this part of the show, uh, the, the type of cards people are buying. I think, you know, I've been guilty of this too. And I, unless it's a super collection or a set that I'm trying to get autographed, I'm, I don't buy a lot of base cards. So, yep. but, but there's been a lot of hobby people hitting people over the head saying base cards are junk. They're dead. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've received packages in the mail where people just use base cards as like protector of a top loader or something like that, which when I get that, I'm excited. I'm like, all right, this is going to knock some cost off because I can put these base cards in the eBay store. Um, you know, I've had actual wrestlers that I'm not going to out who they are, but I've actually had wrestlers buy the base cards for me and I know what they're doing. They're getting them and they're going to sign them and sell them yep. at the show. Um, I've had, most people know high spots. I've had a high spots buy sets from me. I know they're going to sign them. And then I've had like no name college players, like, or minor league baseball cards that like, you, you never heard of these guys. They maybe even never made it to the NFL, but I will see that people with like the same hometown and the same last name buying those cards. And I just keep telling everybody, like, no matter what kind of a collector you are, when you're looking at base cards that aren't, you know, Michael Jordan or Griffey or Hulk Hogan or whoever, there's still a market for this stuff. So what is your opinion kind of on that, uh, that, that opinion that a lot of people have that base cards are just junk. And here's the key word. Nobody wants them. I love that that opinion exists. I do. I love it because it's that opinion that has let me acquire 270,000 cards of sport lots inventory for a fraction of what I sell it for. Yep. Because I'm able to pick up these giant collections of base and insert cards for next to nothing because of that mindset or that perspective. But there are still people out there who love putting together sets, who love to just 
have every card of their favorite player yep. or their favorite wrestler. And I'm selling them to them on sport lots every month. And, I, and I'm making thousands of dollars, you know, over the course of the year from these cards that I'm paying next to nothing for because of that perspective. And so there's, for, there's a while I was trying to combat that. Right. And, and eventually I'm like, you know what? I don't, that's not my, my sword to, to, to carry anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to sit back and continue to reap the benefits and reap the rewards of that mindset, continuing to be somewhat pervasive because I don't know that I'm going to convince anybody else, but the people who are saying they're worthless, they're not convincing the diehard fans of those types of cards. They're continuing to buy them month after month. Right. And kind of on top of that, let's talk about the monetary gain that you can have. I mean, if you're buying these and these cards for, you know, massive lots and they can end up being a penny a fraction of a penny basically anything like under 10 cents even if you're getting an insert or a refractor or something like that and like uh you know uh, bo thompson one million cubs uh yeah. but he great resource for this information and you know if you're i like me and i take a lot of the stuff he says and i apply it and it works it just is what it is and the margins on a penny card, even if you're making 40, 50, 60, 70 cents on that card after fees and shipping and all that, like those margins are better than margins I'm making on cards that people supposedly want. So what's your opinion on that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, again, that goes why it goes back to why it's been so profitable for me is because my risk, my financial risk when I buy these collections is so small yep. compared to the reward that I reap, you know, later on. And so yeah, when you're buying cards for a penny and selling them for 25 cents to to a dollar, even even if I only sell it for a nickel when I'm doing one of these bulk 800 count boxes or whatever, mm -hmm. that's still turning a half a cent into a nickel 800 times Five in X. one transaction, right? And so <laughs> right. Um, that it's it's just been it's been great. It's it's one of the reasons that I I'm really glad that I've got the focus that I've got because it's meeting a need that a lot of people don't have, you know, the, the card shop that I'm a part of, he doesn't have cards priced that cheap. He just doesn't. It's for him. It's not worth his time. He'd rather focus on those, those bigger dollar cards, but that's great because the people that do want that walk on over to the other side of the, mm -hmm. the room um, or into the next room over and, and come look at my stuff and sit down for a couple hours, picking through those quarter boxes and, and fill up boxes every weekend. Yeah, I think uh, mitigating risk is a huge thing. That's why I like doing the low end stuff too. And even like, let's take it back like six months ago. I even saw I was hard, having trouble, you know, I would have bought a, a, like a collection that had some slabs in it or whatever. And even some of that stuff, I was finding really hard to move within specific areas, whether it was, you know, if it wasn't like the top tier guy, like it seemed like nobody wanted it yet. I can go sell like 1994 Popeye cards and that, like people want those or like, Casper the movie that you know most people remember that movie uh, people are buying those cards and I'm just like okay there's an interest here not not an interest in more of the higher end and it may be a price point thing but I've just kind of gone even like double triple down on the buying collections thing and uh, that's another thing I want to talk to you about is I know recent like since the last time we spoke I've seen your TikToks and Twitters where you're, you bought these massive collections so how has that gone for you I, I know this is nothing new for you, but there are a lot of people out there that don't understand why you, me, Bo, some of the other ones out here, why we do what we do and why we spend so much time buying the collections, sorting them out. And then, you know, oh, you can't make, you know, what are you making? Like, you know, five cents, you know, we spoke about that. 
I, I have more fun doing this than I probably ever had. So how has that been for you over the past year as far as buying collections and what you're doing with them and how they work for you? Yeah, it's been my my one of my favorite overall transitions that I've had in the collecting world is moving from buying cases of sealed products to buying collections. Because to me, the excitement of going through a box that I've not gone through in detail is just as exciting seeing these cards for the first time as it is opening up a pack. And it's it's much more affordable and I'm getting them at a much cheaper price, right? So mm -hmm. I, I've really enjoyed going through that. This last collection I picked up had more sealed junk wax era boxes and sealed junk wax era factory sets than any other collection that, that I've had. And so it was bulky and it's taking a bit longer, you know, to, to work my way through. But, you know, just in the last probably three to four weeks, I've sold through probably a case and a half worth of 1987 Donruss factory sets. And, you know, I'm paying like five bucks a set and I'm selling them for 25 or 30 bucks a set. Um, after shipping and fees, it's probably rounds down closer to, to 20 after, you know, everything being accounted that's still for. still good but though, for what it that's is. still great. And there's still a demand. I mean, they're selling as fast as I could get them listed until I eventually sold through all of those. And it's like that with a lot of the other things. There's still a demand for all of that kind of stuff. There's still a demand for all of these base and inserts that I'm getting out of those collections and putting out on sport lots. Yeah. I regularly find those other parallels and things that are one to $20 that I send into um, Com C and, and list on Com C. And then of course, along the way, I'm able to, to pick out things and add them to my PC as well. If it's yep. one of the things that fits some of the stuff that I want to hold, hold aside for myself. Yeah, that's one of the most fun things I, I've i done is, like you said, going through the boxes. I don't like opening wax. I, I used to when I was a kid, but then, you know, once I started spending my own money on stuff, I was I just, I immediately knew, I was like, well, this is always going to be a gamble. So all, and then, you know, a couple of years ago when I got into buying collections and stuff, I'll never forget, uh, it, it was right, let's see, it was like a three row box. I think I paid 15 bucks for it and all of a sudden I found a Darren Waller prism card in there. And that was right when he was kind of getting a bump in the fantasy football world. And I sold the one card for what it cost me for the whole box and sure. the light bulb went off. And ever yep. since then, I've just been doing it. And I love like finding junk wax baseball that maybe I don't collect now, but all of a sudden I'm pulling it out of that box to keep for myself because it's, it's not worth a whole lot. And it might be worth more to me to just keep it for nostalgia purposes or, you know, seeing like non-sport cards and entertainment cards, like you never know what's going to be in these things. And I just love it. And another thing I love is making money on these things and putting that money back into more collections or uh, PC items, like you said. And I, I still think it's awesome that we can do things like this in a down market and, and in some cases doing better now than we were before. And people still, we still have our like dejectors out there that say, you can't do this. It's not possible. So I'm having a fun, I'm having a blast doing it. And there's other people out there that are doing the same thing we're doing. And it's good to hear that you're still doing it and still having fun. Yeah, it's great. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, it's probably been a month uh, ago now, somebody brought in a couple cardboard, you know, big kind of storage boxes and said, I just need to get rid of these. I don't know. Well, you give me like 50 bucks. And I'm like, look through a few things. I'm like, sure, I can give you 50 bucks for it. That's, I, I can get my money back from that. And as I look through that, you know, this was in there. <laughs> there you go, right there. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like, that's that's a card I'd been looking for anyway. I just hadn't picked one up yet. And now I don't have, that's, I can mark that one off the list. I, I 
I've got that rock hard. Um, and it was just kind of tucked in loose with a bunch of other stuff. And it's not a huge card by any means, but when I'm only paying 50 bucks for two giant tubs worth of, of cards and, and that's just one of them. I mean, that's the type of stuff that's just fun to come across and, um, finding that in one of the tucked in one of these boxes to me is just as fun as opening up a pack and finding some random, you know, parallel or, or whatever. So I'm enjoying yeah. And it. I think, you know, maybe you could, I, I'm sure you'll agree with me, but I get that same feeling of like opening the pack going through all these rows of boxes like because you just don't know what's in there i mean a recent episode of card talk they uh, had a guy for play of the week he had he bought like a 60 pound bag like a trash bag full of cards and there's a dan marino pmg in there yeah. like you just never know what's going to be in here whether it's a pc or whether it's to flip or just whatever it is and i love it i, I just love doing that uh let's transition back into wrestling because i'm sure we've already lost some people that don't they don't want to hear about that stuff they just want to hear about wrestling sorry about well, that everybody hey i th that's my favorite stuff to talk about but i'm the one who initiated it so it's, it's not mike's fault all right so wrestling cards were 2022 we talked about a little bit about how aew kind of kick-started the popularity of this uh where do you think wrestling cards space is within the hobby and i'm going to keep continuing to ask this question about why the talking heads don't want to continue to even give the time of day to wrestling. It seems like, you know, they'll talk about tennis or hockey or lacrosse or these fringe sports. I know wrestling is not baseball, basketball, football, but I still think wrestling deserves at least a second on some of these podcasts or video shows or something. So even though we've seen AEW and prism blow the roof off, We've seen some really high-end vintage sales that just continue to go up and set records. Why do you think people are still not talking about wrestling cards that have a platform? I'm not really sure. I, I don't really understand why that hasn't, you know, got the same level of interest that some of the other cards are. I, I really don't know. But I think for me, part of the part of the comeback that I would have is maybe I, I, to me the bigger question, and I know you've hit on this, is why aren't more wrestling fans into wrestling cards compared to figures yeah. or shirts or other, other types of memorabilia to me, I think that's the market that has the, the bigger opportunity for convert conversion and growth and to generate new collectors because they're already fans of wrestling. I think it might be harder for people who aren't fans of wrestling to latch on to wrestling as a new um, focus of their collection or a new type of thing that they want to latch on to. So I think for me, the bigger question is, why can't we get more wrestling fans to latch onto wrestling cards as well? And that's a good question too, because the things you mentioned, the shirts, the figures, um, eight by tens, whatever it is that wrestling fans buy, if you stop and think about it, a lot of that stuff is not promoted on podcasts or YouTube channels. Now there, there are dedicated figure shows and, and collectibles and stuff like that, that there are content creators out there talking about them. But like WWE does not promote you know, their figures on their weekly TV very much, if at all. And they still sell out, like there's still a huge demand for them. So that's a, that's a very valid point. And it seems like the indie cards have kind of taken off with the fan base. Like they understand that these cards, they can go to the show and get these cards for a couple bucks. And then like, oh, over there's the guy that's on the card. He can sign the card. So I think that's really connected. I think we've seen a lot of that as we talked about with AEW, those fans are slowly getting it. But um, I just, I, I don't understand why the popularity, the prices and everything it is, we, we don't have more content creators talking about it, like new content creators, whether, you know, there's me, there's Car Foundation, 
Tony with WTC, Caleb is doing the indie card stuff, but that's pretty much it. Like there, there's not a lot of other people doing content about wrestling cards, which is kind of my call to action. If you're watching this and you want to start doing some wrestling card content, by all means, uh, get a hold of me and get started. But I don't know. I just want to, I, I pose this question to every single guest I have on and it seems like nobody can figure it out. Yeah. I don't know that I've, I've got a good answer on, on why it doesn't get some of that main mainstream conversation every once in a while, the, the card talk guys will throw mm -hmm. in some, some wrestling content here and there. Um, but yeah, you just don't hear much about it from, from others. And I don't know if it's because they themselves are not fans of, of wrestling and don't have that same connection as they do with, with some of the other sports, but um, man, I, I, if, if we can figure out a way to, to get existing wrestling fans yeah. interested in cards, that's, that's a big growth opportunity. Yeah. So talking about wrestling cards and we will kind of take a transition here into the, the thing that clicked for you. And that was the super collection. And I know you've had a series on your podcast of super collectors of all different types. And I've found those episodes very, very interesting to see how people are collecting and what, you know, I've got the carrying cross killer cross super collection. Like how can I evolve that into making it even more fun based on what some of your people you have on your show are doing. So uh, I'm going to let, I'm going to stop one second and let you talk about how you kicked off the super collection. Yeah. You know, I think again, from that conversation we had a few months ago on the world's Clyde podcast, you know, you were talking about how you were having fun with, with carrying cross. Right. Um, and you know, there's others out there who have collections of other wrestlers that weren't, you know, super big names. Right. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know what, I want to try this too. And so I thought back to kind of that era that I had talked about at the beginning of our conversation today and said, who would somebody be that I could focus in on that might be a little overlooked that there's not going to be a ton of people trying to track him down, but I still had a connection to that I thought was fun during that era. And I landed on Norman Smiley. Yes. The big wiggle, the big wiggle. <laughs> there was something about the big wiggle that I thought was really funny. I thought about every time he came out and the announcers were talking about how he's the master of submission moves and <laughs> all of these other things. Like it, we just cheered every time that my friends and I were watching when Norman Smiley came out and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to look and see how many cards he has. And if I can start tracking down some of these Norman Smiley cards. And so, so that's what I did. So I, I started picking up a bunch of Norman Smiley cards and he doesn't really have a ton, you know, um, as Norman Smiley, I think he's, he's got some as, as far back as 99 with some of the WCW releases there. Um, and then from a tops perspective, um, 2016 and 17, he was in several releases and 18 as well. Um, but I don't know that he's been in a product since 2018, um, from what I've, I've found. And so I started tracking down the autographs. I started tracking down the parallels. There's some jumbo cards from, um, 2017 that I've, and, and 2016 that I've tracked down. Um, uh, those have been, been fun to find, um, and, and get my hands on. I've gotten even a custom card from you that I yep. was able to add to the collection, which I think is pretty cool. And so at this point I've found most of the kind of what I'd call regular cards. You know, there's a few 
um there's a 1993 cmml that's what i was gonna i was just looking that up i was like i'm pretty sure he had a card in that and that set has become something else yep and it's he's known as black magic in that one um not as as norman smiley but he's in there and then there's a few of the other um 2017 and 16 numbered cards that i don't have yet but most of the other cards i need are the printing plates and the the one of one um autos and things like that which those are probably going to be tough to find um either wrapped up in somebody else somebody else's uh, collection um, or or maybe just tucked away and, and people haven't really found a reason to dig them out and list them. So, um, but I've been, it's been fun. It was fun to track all of those down and start to get some of those mail days. And I've got my eBay alerts set, still trying to find some of those other ones that I, that I need. But uh, yeah, it was, it was somebody who's, who doesn't have a huge number of cards. So I felt like it was somewhat attainable. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he doesn't have a ton of new cards coming out every single product, every single release. And so it, it didn't feel like it's just going to exponentially grow every year. Um, and yet there was still a good chase because there's still a lot of printing plates and one of ones and one, out of fives and things like that, that are going to take a while to track down. So it's been fun so far um, putting together this, this little Norman Smiley collection. Absolutely. So as you're diving into the Norman Smiley cards, this is something that I've been pushing everybody to do, whether it was sets or mainly super collecting, just because I think it's cool to pick somebody and just go for it. Uh, I think when you start going down the rabbit hole of super collecting, it kind of shuts, it's, it allows you to shut out the outside noise of what's popular and what's, you know, oh, this is a bad quote investment. And oh, these Norman Smiley cards you're buying, they're not worth anything. Why would you buy those? He's not even wrestling anymore. You know, all of that normal stuff we're used to hearing. And it allows you to block that stuff out and focus on the actual chase and the collection. You mentioned it about before about how it's a fun chase, but uh, I think this is something that we, I would like to see more wrestling collectors kind of apply is pick their favorite person, no matter if it's Hulk Hogan or, you know, a referee or whatever it is and just go for it. So what have you kind of had fun with or learned as you started and continue to go down the rabbit hole of just being a super collector? I think the biggest thing is that it's going to take multiple platforms if you really want to try to knock off the majority of these types of things, right? And I think I'm still trying to figure out where to go for, for some of that. Um, for instance, you know, obviously eBay, ComC, and Sportlots have been the primary places that I found most of these cards but I am confident that there's going to be some Facebook groups out there. There's some forums and message boards and those types of places that I'm really going to need to get familiar with and comfortable with and become a part of if I want to track yeah. down some of these really hard to find ones. Um, and I just don't know where those are yet, but that's going to provide me one more opportunity to learn and one more opportunity to grow and expand my knowledge base and my community of resources and things to pull from. And so I think to me, that has been solidified as well, that if you're going to focus in on something like this, you're going to need to expand your reach of where you're trying to pull cards from and mm -hmm. where you're going to need to go to be able to track down some of these things. Yeah. Something you touched on uh, kind of putting yourself out there within these communities to find what you need. That's something that creating content I have found has been a huge, you know, Brett McGrath always says hobby hack for the creating yep. content. Some of the cross one of one cards that I've been able to obtain have been through somebody who watched my video, who knew somebody who knew somebody that breaks that pulled one. And through that funnel of people, I was able to get it. And most of the time people, especially if you're dealing off of eBay, a lot, it seems like people are very easy to deal with, even for stuff that's that rare. Yeah. So I, yeah, I'm, that's, you know, joining, get like some of these 
Facebook groups and um, these these other groups that I've been put in, whether it's on Twitter or, uh, you know, there's all kinds of other platforms that I've been like put into these chat groups. And I'm like, oh, somebody added me. I didn't even ask for it. But it's been super helpful because people know who I collect and what I buy because I buy collections. So a lot of times I'll get messages out of the blue. Here's this cross card. Do you need it? Or, hey, I've got 5,000 cards. Do you want to buy them? They're all base, you know, whatever it is. So I think maybe that's one thing that hopefully your podcast will help you do is people find out you collect Norman Smiley and they're like, oh, well, let's see if I have some because I know this guy I listen to his podcast every week. Like he, he may reach out and need that card. So I agree. I think you just got to jump into those groups. And uh, what's the end? What's the end goal for this Norman Smiley Super PC? Um, you're just going to slowly build it up. Are you like putting as much effort into it right now as you are other things? Yeah, I think I'm, I put a lot of intentional focus at the beginning, trying to get all of the stuff that's out there, mainly because, again, there's there's not a ton of it out there, right? So some of them, it was the only card listed. I didn't see any of them that have sold recently. So it's not like there was going to be another one coming right around the corner for me to pick mm -hmm. up, right? So I think the ultimate goal is I want to for sure track down one of of everything that's not the one of ones you know mm -hmm. i kind of in my list or my checklist i've kind of got the, all the one of ones marked in a different color because if i come across them great i'll i'll probably try to pick them up but i'm not going to feel like i if i don't have all of the printing plates or other one of ones that my my super collection is somehow incomplete because it's just unrealistic to think you're going to get the only copy of every one of those one of ones that's out there right sure and so I'm going to keep looking for some of those other ones that I, that I don't have a few of the out of tens that I don't have a few of the out of fifties. There's even a, a 99 that I, I need to go grab on eBay right now because uh, I thought I had bought it on comp C, but they had mislabeled a number to 25 oh. as a number to 99. And so when I had it shipped home, I was like, wait a second, this is now I have two out of 25 instead of the 99. So I guess that was an error in my favor, but um, I still need to track down that 99. So I'm going to keep trying to fill in those things. Um, but I, like I said, I've got my alert set, but I haven't gone to the point yet where I have really started to dig into some of those other communities and forums and things like that to try to, to fill in those missing holes. One thing I'd like to get your thoughts on is when I've got my eBay searches set up or I'm in these groups, I, you know, most of the time for me personally and, and time and like how my schedule works, I don't have time to sit in the groups and go through everything. Most of the time I get tagged in something. If it's something that someone would think I was interested in, or they just reach out, like I mentioned a minute ago. But one thing that I think has, it's been beneficial for me because I'm super frugal. I'll spend money, but I hate it. And when I get these searches set up, uh, you know, maybe I get down to where I just need two specific cards out of a set to fill a rainbow. So I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Well, all, all that waiting, not only is it build up anticipation to finally get the card, but it's also allowed me to save up money from, yep. you know, we're just in, inundated with, okay, Prism's out, Revolution's out, AEW's got a new set coming out. Uh, here's this product over here that's a non-sport thing. And all of a sudden, like, it's like there's squirrels everywhere and people can get easily distracted and easily just spend money on stuff that maybe they don't care about. Has the focus on... Now take buying collections out of it for your like PC purposes. Has that helped you at all as far as like, you know, being ready to pounce on one of these cards if they pop up because you're not spending kind of a little bit more frivolously on stuff that maybe you don't care as much about because you got such a focus on the super collection. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in general, you know, we hit on this 
a year and a half ago when we first started talking. Yeah. The main reason I started doing the buying and selling was to generate the funds that I could use to buy cards for my own collection and not feel like it's coming out of my paycheck or right. money that needs to be dedicated to the family or long-term retirement savings or any of those types of things, right? And so, yeah, it, I feel a whole lot better. It, it's even more fun to me to pick up one of these cards, even if I have to pay a little bit more for it, knowing that it was already still 100% paid for with profits from the other sales that I've been making on the, the cards that I buy from a, a business side of things. And so that to me is a, a big part of the fun. Um, I would I would feel, I'd be a lot, I should say, I would be much more hesitant to buy some of these higher valued cards that I'm that I'm picking up if it was purely coming from paycheck money. If it wasn't mm -hmm. already coming from other hobby profits that I've, that I've accumulated along the way. So to me, that's a big part of the fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's, and it's, you kind of touched on it, how it's money you've generated from selling and it like, it get like, there's a, been a couple of carrying cross cards that I know I've overpaid for, mm -hmm. but, but it's, but I've worked so hard flipping these collections and sorting and all this stuff that it becomes like a no brainer that like, I, I'm not planning on selling any of this stuff anytime soon. Like I would like to say I'm the number one carrying cross killer cross collector at this point. And I'm hoping that you could say the same thing about Norman Smiley at some point. And, you know, you get to the the top of the mountain, so to speak of these collections. And it's it like the monetary value goes out the door. And obviously if you've not put yourself in a personal financial bind, which right. clearly you haven't, but the value, the value of what can I sell this for goes out the window and you're just like, I am the, I'm the king of collector of this thing. It's just a fun feeling. Yeah. It's, it's nice because so much of the business side of, of purchases, I do have that long-term value in mind, or mm -hmm. the, I, I shouldn't say maybe the long-term value, but the monetary value in mind, you know, am I going to, is this going to be a profitable purchase for me? But the things that I'm picking up for the, the PC that I'm using those profits on, that that thought process kind of goes out the window. I mean, 100%. Not, com not completely. I mean, it's yeah. I, I'm not going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars for a, a card that you know should be a, a fifty dollar card when you consider other you know similar wrestlers or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, you can be a whole lot less worried about the actual price you paid, or are you overpaying by twenty bucks or fifty bucks or whatever on some of the higher end stuff, or five or ten bucks on the the lower end stuff. When you know that at the end of the day, it was all paid for with profits anyway. 100%. Could, couldn't could have said it better. I have that exact same philosophy. So closing out the show, we're halfway through 2022. What is in the future for you? Like, what is there something you haven't talked about PC-wise you're going after? Uh, are you going to try to scale the shop and your online presence even more? Is there kind of different sides of the content maybe we're going to see? what What's new and what do you have planned going forward? Because, you know, it's been a year and a half and a lot of things have changed for both me and you from content collection and all that stuff. So what's next? Yeah, for me, from a, a selling side, I think a lot of it is, is going to be the same. You know, it, it's been working well selling both online and the physical shop. As of right now with the family situation, that looks like it's going to be okay to continue. Um, you know, I, I was kind of taking it on a year by year basis. And if, if family commitments became too much, then, then the shop, the physical shop piece was probably going to be the, the first one to go because of the extra time commitment that it takes, but things are still tracking good with that. Now the girls even come in with me to the shop sometimes awesome. and help me sort and organize and that type of thing. So that's been good. Content creation still been a lot of fun. 
Um, I, I've been doing, as you mentioned earlier this year too, a kind of a series on different super collections that people have. And sometimes it's a brand, sometimes it's a team, sometimes it's a particular player. And so I want to keep doing those because I found that they're a lot of fun to do, you know, and I've mm -hmm. been having a lot of fun having those conversations with the different collectors across the country. And so I want to kind of continue to keep that going as well. Uh, I knocked off several PC items in the first half of this year. And that was, you know, some of the goals that I had set in place. And so I think for the, the second half of the year, there's still a few things that I've got my mind or my eye on. If, if they come through, um, then I, you know, I, I might dabble in and pick up some of those, you know, there's some 82 all-stars that I, I would love to get at some point. There's the, the rock auto, mm -hmm. um, the, the one that you got not too long ago. That's another one that's on my kind of bucket list of wrestling cards that I would love to add to my collection. Um, so those are a few things that I, I've got um, alerts set for that I want to keep my eye on. Um, but I'm, I don't have to have right this second, right? But right. those are things that I'm going to be thinking about and keeping an eye on um, throughout the, the rest of this year. Well, I'll give you the floor right now again to pro tell everybody where they can find you, talk about your content, uh, anything you got going on, just floor is yours. Yeah, so a lot of the, the written content you can find at, at waxpackhero.com. That's kind of where it all started when I first started sharing content about, about what I do and how I collect and give some tips and ideas and thoughts on how you can generate a self-sustaining hobby. Um, you can also check out the podcast, the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Um, I post it there on the website as well as it's available pretty much on every podcast platform as well. Those are the two primary ways um, on social media. Probably the two most most common ways that people connect with me and find me is one on Twitter at the Mike Summer, and then also on TikTok. Um, I'm Wax Pack Hero on TikTok as well. And I'll make sure to put the links to your blog and the website. And in the you know, it seems like you host most of the links that people yep. would need to find under the website. So I'll make yep. sure to put that in the show notes. Mike, thanks for joining me today, especially with you being under the weather. This was an amazing show, and I'm hoping that we brought a lot of value to collectors. Any parting words for the collectors? No, I just want to say thanks for having me on. It's good to talk. Like I said before, I'm fairly new to the wrestling world, and so I'm still learning and I'm still absorbing, but there's a few of those things that I've been able to latch on to so far that I've been having a lot of fun with, so I really appreciate you having me on today. And thanks for talking about wrestling cards on your platform. You know, even I'm not saying that everybody out there has to be a dedicated wrestling, but it like most people probably about our age can connect with some form of wrestling at some point within their life. And to just even mention that for a five minute segment, even on, you know, podcasts or videos or whatever that, you know, you never know who's going to hear that and be like, Oh, wrestling cards. I didn't know this was a thing. And then, yep. you know, the next thing it's taken off. So Thank you for doing that. Thank you for your content and your time. And thank you guys for watching. We'll see you. Like the athletes we admire, the sports card shop is changing the game. We're not launching threes, bombing drives, or hitting dingers, but we have built a unique gathering spot for all collectors to trade cards, talk sports, play games, and watch their favorite athletes on the big screens. Yes, we've partnered with Panini, Upper Deck, Leaf, Tops, Fanatics, Pokemon, and others to bring you all the latest in sealed wax and singles. But the sports card shop in New Buffalo, Michigan is much, much more. 
Our recent expansion brings collectible sneakers, Hot Wheels, and more sports and entertainment memorabilia into the mix. Our new Collector's Cave game room is the perfect place to throw a rip party. Bring friends, rip packs, trade cards, play billiards, ping pong, shuffleboard, classic arcade, and Xbox games, all while watching your favorite sport on TV. Visit us at thesportscardshop.com. Follow us on social at underscore sports card shop or better yet, visit us in person to learn about special events, party packages, new products, and everything we're doing for you. The Sports Card Shop, connecting people, sports, and the hobby around the world. Wow, we covered a lot in that conversation. Super collecting, wrestling cards, buying and selling, self-sustaining hobby. We covered a ton of stuff in that conversation, and I hope you enjoyed it. That is all I have for you today. We have gone on almost an hour in this episode, one of the longer ones that we've ever done, but I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were able to pick up something fun from that conversation and something useful for your collecting journey as well. Come on back next week. I'm gonna be doing a review of a box of Upper Deck Hockey that I was able to open. We're gonna dig into that next week in, in the episode. And so if you're a hockey fan, we're going to hit that next week. So with that, I will catch you next time.